Hey, thanks for joining me today on this episode of the Verbal Echo Podcast. We get to listen to real people's stories of insight, grit, endurance, and maybe a little bit of I can't believe that really happened to you. I'm your host, Monica Martin. Let's get to it. Today, my guest is Brad Nelson. He's an active single parent and the host of the podcast Debt Free Dad. He's also the founder of an online membership site called Roots of Personal Finance. To date, he's supported members in paying off tens of millions of dollars in debt and contributions towards savings. Brad is here to share his story and his secret to living a debt free life through personal finance strategies with a common sense, timely approach. Now I'm going to let Brad tell us all about his method. Hi, I want to welcome Brad Nelson here. He's the debt-free dad. Uh, Welcome, Brad. Hey, thank you, Monica. I appreciate you. Yeah, I'm pretty excited for this conversation. We were talking a little bit before we hit record, and uh, man, he's got some really good uh, information out there on managing money, debt. If you're interested in this kind of thing, maybe you've been struggling. This is going to be a really interesting conversation. So um, I guess my first question is, um, you know, how did you get to this, this point of creating this business and kind of what's your backstory? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, when you said, you know, if you're struggling, and I think that's the key is that so many of us are right now, but money is just such a taboo topic. We don't, tend to talk about it a lot, especially, you know, when you look at things like social media, we're always quick to celebrate all of our wins and latest purchases or vacations. But the reality is like, if you look at statistics and I mean, you're seeing it, you know, people are struggling, you know, people are living paycheck to paycheck. Uh, you look at uh, mental health right now, people uh, about 52% of people contribute their personal finance problems to their mental health challenges. It's the number one thing that's causing most of their mental health challenges is personal finance issues. That's over half of the people being surveyed. Um, uh, recent surveys over this past year, you know, are saying money is the number one thing that's stressing people out and causing the most anxiety right now. So uh, there's a lot of us that are struggling and I used to be one of those people. And that's, that's kind of how I got started into this is that, uh, back in my early twenties, I, I kind of started out life just like most other people. You know, I went to college and uh, got credit cards and got a car payment and, you know, wanted to build my credit score because that's what we were taught to do and uh, ended up buying a house that I couldn't really afford, but fell into this idea that renting was a sin, right? And it was a waste of money, but yet I didn't have any money for this house. I literally got in with this like down payment assistance program and it was this fixer upper house. And of course I didn't have any money to fix it up. So I guess what? I went further into debt and So I was at a very early age, you know, what do they call it? Adulting now, I think is the word, right? (laughs) You know, where you begin begin to feel that stress, right? And it's like, this is what I waited my whole life to grow up. And now I'm dealing with all this financial stress all the time. And, uh, but the reality was, is I kind of fell for this whole mindset that, well, this is just what you do. You know, we, you spend everything you make, everyone uses debt, everyone has car payments, everyone has credit cards you know, financial stress is just a normal thing. So even though I had those feelings, I kind of felt like it was normal enough just to, okay, we're just going to do what everybody else is doing. Well, as I was kind of getting through my twenties and even my early thirties, that stress just 
kept increasing, right? You know, the, we, we tell ourselves with the best of intention, you know, I'm going to go into debt. I'm going to pay this stuff off, or I'm going to, you know, I need this vacation. I'll pay it off or, you know, but man, life just does not go that way. Right. And so you have the best of intentions going into debt. Like you're going to be responsible with it. It's not going to, you know, add up to all these huge amounts. Right. But I turned around and here I've got several credit cards that had thousands of dollars worth of debt on them. I had these massive car payments that were just causing a lot of stress and uh, had, you know, eventually sold that fixer upper house and bought myself a brand new house because I was making more money. So I was also experiencing that lifestyle creep, right? As your wages increase or as you get bonuses and, and things at work or promotions, you tell yourself like, I will start saving the difference when this happens. But the reality is for most of us, it doesn't happen that way because, you know, you start wanting more things and increasing that lifestyle. And that's, that's just kind of this hamster wheel I was on. And uh, my first marriage ended up ending in divorce and and I lost my first house to foreclosure. And I had my uh, son Noah at the time, he was two years old. And I just, for me, that moment was kind of like the nail in the coffin for me. Like I needed to do this stuff different, you know? And uh, I, I was broke. I literally had no money in savings. I wasn't saving for retirement. I had credit card debt. and It, it just, nothing was seeming to work. And, and I felt like I was just constantly trapped not that I had a bad job. I, I had a good job, had good pay, worked for a good place, but I felt trapped. Like if I ever wanted to do anything different, I couldn't because I had basically sold my soul to all the things that I had brought into my life. And I needed that paycheck now to cover all of these bills. So even if I wanted to try something different or try something new, they're just the opportunities just weren't there. So I just started to feel almost, um, I guess you could say suffocated, you know, in a way. And so uh, after going through that and going through divorce and losing our house, it was kind of a wake-up call for me. Like, I, I really want to do this stuff different. Obviously, I had my son, and I, I wanted to be a better example to him on how to handle money, too. And uh, so I kind of just started learning about it. I started reading books. I started taking courses, started going to seminars. Um, I, I literally would consume podcasts like we're on right now. I mean, I would, I would do anything and everything I could just to learn what was I doing wrong about money. And I realized... I was doing a lot wrong, you know, and, and I was kind of following what popular society says about debt. And that's what was leading me to be broke. And so I started practicing some of these, just these basic concepts that were out there. Things like, you know, living below your means, um, saving first instead of spending first, getting yourself on like a monthly cash flow plan or a budget, you know, prioritizing paying down high interest debt, especially credit cards, you know, and getting yourself out of some of those things. And slowly over time, it really started to work. And uh, I worked more hours and the more hours I worked, the more money I had and I would start knock away debt. And it took me about four or five years to pay it off, but we paid off about $45,000. And uh, I've been debt free now outside of our mortgage uh, ever since then. And uh, how this business kind of happened was we just, I just started sharing the results I was getting and how life-changing it felt. Like I just didn't have any more stress about money. I was able to sleep at night. Um, I actually had money to do things. Imagine that. Like my bank account had money in it. And when it got to payday, like I wasn't out of money. I still had money in the bank. And this is just like, this stuff's amazing. Like it really is starting to work. And so I just started kind of sharing because I knew other people were having some struggles and they started to do some of this stuff. And they're like, holy crap, Brad, like you're really helping me. And so that's how I kind of fell in love with helping people with their finances. It wasn't so much the money side, but it was just the, the mindset and the stress relief the peace of mind, it, it was those things that were the biggest benefits for me that I, I was able to help other people achieve that I really started to fall in love with. And then once I got myself completely out of debt, I started to open myself up to opportunities of being able to think about, hey, maybe 
I could run a business like this. Maybe we could start really helping people more on a serious level. And uh, I started doing this back in 2015. I went part-time at my job. Uh, I married uh, my second wife, Sarah, and uh, we were able to live off of her income while I was doing this because we were debt-free. We didn't have any bills or payments. And it just allowed us to really kind of take some chances at life and go after some of the things that we wanted. And uh, since 2015 now, we've helped tens of thousands of people. And it's crazy to even think this, uh, Monica, because when, when I started this, it was just kind of helping people around my area, my community. But we have this thing called the internet now, right? <laughs> it's like we've helped people right. in Greece and Australia and South Africa and the UK and in Canada and in the United States and in Japan. And I mean, it's amazing how far uh, our message has gone and our membership has gone now where we've been able to help people all over the world and help people save and pay off tens of millions of dollars now. And uh, the the crazy thing, and a lot of people kind of are shocked by this, is that I'm just an, a normal average guy. I still make a pretty normal income. Uh, I probably a lot of my members make even more money than I do. Uh, you don't become a financial coach to become wildly rich and wealthy, right? <laughs> um, you know, I live in a normal house. I drive normal cars. Uh, we we're just we're a normal family living without financial stress now. And all we're doing is we're taking this information that's helped us so much. And we're just teaching that to other normal families. And uh, it's been able to help so many people tremendously. And uh, it's been a wild ride over the last eight years, but uh, it's, been a, it's been a lot of fun too. Sounds really fulfilling. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I, like I say, I, I tell my members all the time, you guys give me the, the greatest job. And to hear people, and it's not, like I said, the, the savings numbers that they get and the payoff numbers are fantastic, but it's the, it's the I can sleep at night. It's this stuff saved our marriage. Um, because we're now on wow. the same page. It's, um, I'm able to go and experience different things with my kids now because I actually have money and I have confidence in my finances. Um, we're actually able to live the life that we now want to live. And, uh, those are the, those are the big payoffs. And th those are the stories that I love to hear the most. Um, it's, it's how life changing cause you know, money's got this ripple effect. It really does. And a lot of people don't really quite, I mean, we do, but we don't. They don't quite understand how money is connected to literally everything. And I mean, it has this ripple effect outside of your life. And it's not to say that money is the most important thing, but it helps you when you have control over your money. It helps you keep the most important things in your life the most important. Like, for instance, let's say, you know, you're in a relationship or you're in a marriage. If you're constantly dealing with a lot of financial stress, there's a lot of emotional energy that's going into that, which takes away from your relationship. Whereas opposed to if you take control of your finances, get yourself on a budget, you get on the same page, get your debt paid off, you start reaching your goals, you start having money to do things that you want. You're not able to take that emotional energy and put that into that relationship and in that marriage. Uh, same thing with your kids, same thing with your social life, thing with uh, your career. And we see it all the time in Roots. You know, it's like people get raises, they get promotions. Uh, it's like their whole life is, is like leveled up several notches because they just get themselves on a better plan with their money. And, uh, I think that's one of the, the best things about what our message spreads is just helping people become more aware of this isn't just about your bank account. This is about your life. And uh, if you can get your money right, it's amazing just the upgrade that you get in the rest of your life. And, and we see that time and time again here. I like that you mentioned the ripple effect. I always think that money is like it's a tool, but it's also energy. And so when you allow it to come into you, you don't hang on to it. I mean, you can, but it also, but you, it flows through you and you use it for other things, whether it's services, you support your community through purchasing or uh, purchase services, you get your kids opportunities. It's, it's energy. Yep. And so if that's blocked by a limiting belief, 
then I could see that as being, you know, it, it, it's like a fence that you have created around you. Yeah, absolutely. And that's just kind of the way I see it. Yep, absolutely. What kind of uh, social pressures do you see uh, that people nowadays, especially with the world that we live in, you know, it's so busy, we're so crazy, uh, but we're also online a lot. We're connecting with people that we might normally not meet uh, before the internet, yeah. <laughs> which is such a cool thing because we have, uh, we've, we are such a global economy. Like, what kind of pressure do you see? that's being put on people now like social media or whatever, like trying like that old phrase, trying to keep up with the Joneses, yeah. you know, like I have to have the bigger yeah. house. I have to have the bigger car, the, the new iPhone, the, you know, the whatever. Do you see that as being a, a serious problem for people to shift around? Yeah, for, for sure. For sure. And there, I mean, there's, there's so much data that backs that up. Um, in fact, uh, there's a book written by Thomas Stanley. I think it's, um, not the millionaire next door. It's uh, uh, millionaire mindset. I, f- I forget the title of the book, but he does a study in this book, and he talks about where you decide to live is going to dramatically affect how you manage your finances. So, for instance, if you choose a neighborhood that is more of an affluent lifestyle or like a fluent neighborhood where you've got nicer houses, nicer cars, nicer nicer place, you are more likely to spend more money then you normally would have not living in that neighborhood because of the social influence of the neighbors that are around you. So keeping up with the same types of cars that they own, keeping up with the same type of landscaping, keeping up with the same types of things and the quality of house and all of those things, all of those things play a factor. And it's the same thing when it comes to what we're seeing and what we're viewing on social media. I mean, there's, there's data we've, we've talked about on our podcast, the Jeffrey dead podcast multiple times um, is the FOMO fear of missing out. Right. And uh, there's so many people in their studies that we just recently mentioned uh, not too many episodes ago where we were talking about, you know, it, when people see things and they, there's, they're openly admitting that I have spent money that I didn't have to keep up with friends and family because of what I've seen on social media. Or I've spent money because of ads and things that I've seen on social media. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, these things are, are definitely definitely playing a role. And I, and I think those are the three, there's, there's kind of three outside influences that really keep a lot of, a lot of people stuck. Number one is how we were raised, right? How we were raised, it really is a foundational level of finding finances. Like if you were raised and you're like, you know, a family that constantly talked about money in a negative way, we're broke, we're, we're never going to get ahead. I mean, a lot of us are going to grow up with that same type of mindset. Uh, but if you're, you're raised in a way where we look at, like you said, Monica, money is a tool, you know, have control over it or it's going to control you, that person is going to come out, you know, a different way and look at money differently. Uh, number two is marketing. You know, you just look at the overall overall marketing of debt, you know, and, and just the banks, the financial institutions. I mean, I mean, anything and everything that you buy now, can you can get on payments, including food, which is crazy. Like you can do the buy pay later for your for your takeout order for four payments over four weeks for one order. Like that's so dangerous. Everything, right? <laughs> I mean, everything. So, so when we're when we when we talk about social influence, and then the third one is social influence, uh, is friends and family, coworkers, and what other people are doing. And if you combine like all of these things, it, it just becomes like this almost unstoppable force and creating this mindset of, well, we're always going to have payments. Or we're, we're debt is just a, a normal thing. Like we're always like, why wouldn't I look at a payment rather than looking at what it would it cost me to pay for it in full, right? Because they they've trained us over the years for many years, and 
you know, the generation before us and the generation before that it started, you know, so, you know, now, now we're, you know, getting further down the road here and, and these financial institutions, these companies, they spend billions of dollars marketing this stuff to us. And so when you get a guy like me coming on a podcast show like this or getting up in front of a stage of people and I'm like, you don't need debt to survive. People are just like, what? <laughs> like, what is this guy talking about? Right. Um, because a lot of us have just been so ingrained in this thinking of that. Well, you always have to be in debt. Normal people can't survive without credit cards or car payments and things like that. Um, so yeah, I mean, going back to your original question, when it comes to, you know, the social pressures, they are all around us all the time. And, uh, those are the things that are probably some of the hardest things to overcome as you're getting yourself out of debt it is breaking that mindset that you've developed over the years of your thoughts about debt and getting outside of that mindset, thinking differently, challenging your thinking, being open to new ideas and concepts. Um, there's this, uh, cognitive dissonance, anchor bias. I don't know if you've heard of it, Monica, where, you know, that that's something we deal with too. It's like, you know, anchor bias is we rely on the first set of information to compare to other information and new information. And, and, and so, and as humans, this is something we have to fight against. It's something naturally we do. We rely on that first set of information as like the foundation, right? So everything we move forward to, we compare it to that. So that's why it's hard for us as humans to kind of break away. So if like, for me, my mom raised me, the number one financial lesson she always taught me about was credit scores, Brad, you have to have a good credit score in order to be successful with your finances. Like that, that was like the number one thing. So for me, as I became in my twenties, like that was my number one focus because that was what my mom taught me. I mean, heck my mom, I loved her. She was like my hero. I looked up to her. How could she be wrong? It took me so many years to get over that, like breaking away from this mindset of, I have to have a good credit score in order to be successful with finances. Knowing what I know today, credit score has very little to do with being successful with your finances has actually, it's, it's the lowest on the list in my opinion now, but because I was taught that for so many years, that mindset, it just, that's the stuff that's hard to get over when it comes to getting out of debt. And most people miss that. They look at it just top level. I just need to get myself out of debt. It actually is a lot more deeper than a lot of people actually realize. And that's where the real change starts to happen. Because if we can get to that deeper level, that's when people really start to get themselves out of debt, start to create this new financial mindset that really opens up the doors to stress-free living, doing things differently. And that's where the real life benefits kind of come from over time. And again, the key is over time. It doesn't happen overnight. And that's the hard part. Right. And how many people get out of debt and then they get back into debt? Exactly. So what you're looking for is a lifelong change. And that's how that's like that goes into like habits 101. Yep. Like you don't want to just change it for now. You want to change something that it's just going to be so ingrained in the in your brain and the way that you do things that you don't have to think about it anymore. Right. Yep that it just becomes a part of you that's a healthier way of living. And, and that includes money and how you manage it and the debt that you take on or the no debt that you take right. on. <laughs> yeah. And it's something, you know, right. you're, you're yeah. always going to be challenged with it. And, and I think, you know, I always tell our members, it's like, you don't, you don't ever arrive at a certain level of finances where you don't have to pay attention to it anymore because it is so habit driven. You know, I've been doing this, I've been debt-free now for 10 plus years. Uh, I started this journey, you know, 13, 14 years ago now. And and I still have to pay attention to my stuff. You know, um, I if I don't, I spend more money than I should. I get caught up in stuff that I shouldn't financially. You know, it's like I, I get distracted. You, know, you have to constantly kind of have a pulse on it all the time. It's not something you can't just ever just not pay attention to. Now, does it get easier over time the more you practice it? Absolutely. But, you know, 
like budgeting is still a regular part of my life today. You know, I still have to budget every single month. Like, what are we doing with our money? What is, how, what are our savings goals? What are we putting our money towards for future expenses? You know, this is the stuff that's helped us stay out of debt. So it's not like, you know, you get to this level and all of a sudden you get to quit everything. Like you have to make a serious commitment to your financial health, just like your physical health. Like if you want to be physically healthy the rest of your life, regular exercise and eating healthy just needs to be a regular part of your, your daily life. It can't be something you only do for a couple of years and then you're good. You know, financial health is a true commitment. And uh, so it is, it is time, you know, it's that time piece and, and really being committed to making some lasting changes in your life. Yeah, that's really wise. I like that. <laughs> um, I have a little question. So what are, what's something that people might not know about debt? So I think the biggest thing for, for most people who are living paycheck to paycheck, let's just talk about normal income earners is that a lot of people don't look at just these common debt products as traps. Um, like for instance, credit cards, car payments, car leases. Uh, these things have become just an integrated, you know, integral part of our, of our American lives now. And a, a lot of people just look at it as, well, I've, I've got to have, I'm always going to have a car payment, always going to have a credit card. Um, and the, the reality is, is that you don't. And I think a lot of people get trapped up in a lot of these common debt products. Like for instance, student loans is a hot topic right now. You know, there's so many millennials right now, especially the millennials that are in their mid thirties right now that are feeling like they got duped because, you know, here they went, they went to college, did everything they were supposed to do. They went out and got all this college, you know, debt. And, and now they're picking up jobs that don't even compare to the salaries that they should be getting based on the college education that they have. And now they got all this college debt on top of it. Right. So I think, you know, as a society, we need to start thinking about, these products differently if you want to win because we are getting to the point here in the united states especially that the advertised american life is becoming unaffordable and it is already unaffordable for all of for most of us even me who is debt free and has no payments like i don't know how some of these people are doing it um because it's expensive you know cars and credit card debt interest and all that stuff and it's like at some point we we have got to wake up and realize that what they are selling us as what you should have and what you're seeing on social media and on TV and you know, it's not sustainable for us any longer. It just isn't. It's gotten to a, it's, it's just gotten to a whole new level that we just can't, we, we, we've literally have, we have no other options, but to start thinking differently. And I think there's just so many people that are just, they're trying to get to that level of life and they're, they're so frustrated and they're wondering why they can't do it. And it's like, well, because we can't afford it. We cannot afford it any longer because things have just gotten so out of control. So we've got to start making, you know, different choices and doing things differently. And, and, and if we can do that as a family unit, not only are you going to change your family, but if we can do it as a community, now we're starting to look at some real change and, and doing some things differently in our communities as well as how some of this stuff works too. But that doesn't start happening until we start making those changes. Cause if we just keep buying the stuff that they keep putting out there, we keep financing our cars even longer you know, I mean, right now the average car payment is, is 650 some dollars now. I mean, the average, you know, term on a car is now getting to 72 months, 84 months, seven years. I mean, it's, it's insane what we're doing to ourselves. So as far as like things that people are missing, I think it's just, it's getting themselves out of this, this thought and this mindset of these are just things that I'm going to have to have in my life. And the, tr and the truth is, is you don't, you can do it different. And it's going to be a huge benefit to your life if you're willing to do that. Yeah. I, uh, when you were saying unsustainable, I was thinking it's beyond unsustainable. It's toxic. Yeah, it is. The way that they're 
selling things to us. Um, they're using, you know, like post pandemic, the price, every price for everything went up and did it go back down? No, and right. I, <laughs> right. no, it was an opportunity for corporations to just kind of keep riding that wave. Cause we were yep. paying it, mm -hmm. you know? Yep. You know, I encountered it when I had to get a new car uh, last fall. Like, holy cow, I've never had a car payment this yeah. high. You know, but I was, you know, I, I think we all just get trapped in these situations. And um, yeah. man, it'll be nice when I can pay that off and not have a car payment. <laughs> For sure. I mean, but, but think about that. <laughs> but I got to right. drive. I got to like drive. We've been posting, I've been posting a lot lately on TikTok because this is a popular topic are these car payments. But think about that. For for. Let's say your average car payment is, you know, $650, maybe it's 700 bucks, but just think about what a difference that alone could do for you monthly, having that much cash extra every single month. And what you could do with that, you could build up a better emergency fund. You could pay down your high interest credit card debt. Even beyond that, you could look at maybe investing that money every single month. I mean, think about the difference that can make. And here we are selling our souls to this car, right? Um, I'm a big used car fan. I buy used cars. I've been buying used cars. I bought my first used car getting out of debt. It was three grand. And I drove that car for like four or five years and had very little issues with it. Thankfully, it was a little Toyota Corolla and it didn't look great. It wasn't perfect. And, and it definitely took a hit on the ego driving that. Right. <laughs> but, Oh no, just cover it with stickers, yeah, man. Yeah. I've got, I've, I've got a 1998 GMC Jimmy and I got that thing for $2,500. It's my, it's my like backup car, you yeah. know? And, uh, it currently needs some repairs, but <laughs> man, I love that right. thing. I love that right. thing. It's so cool to like drive around. I can throw my dog in it. I don't care if she gets it muddy. Yep. It's got big old tires on it. Uh, yeah. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I love, I love used yeah. cars. Oh, like I so will good. never buy a new car. Like, yeah. no. no and I see, and I think there's, there's yeah. a lot of people who get themselves tied up into that. So that that's just one example, you know, of just it, you don't have to change in order to have financial success, you don't have to change everything in your life all at once. Just look at what are the biggest things causing you a lot of financial stress? And and what of one of those things can I start actively looking at changing now? Because getting rid of a new car for me, because I was a new car guy. I mean, I did so many stupid things with new cars when I was broke. So many stupid things. In fact, I, I once bought a new car because my current car needed new tires and brakes and I didn't have the money to afford to, to spend money on new tires and brakes. That's how broke I was. That's how stupid I was. <laughs> Wow. That's but, a good one. Yeah, I like that. Just, <laughs> don't, don't, don't do that. that. Anyone, don't no. do that. Don't yes. do that. So, you know, I'm, I, I just, you know, I've done so many stupid things with these vehicles, but getting rid of that vehicle that it was a $500 car payment, it made just such a, a, a huge difference in our finances and being able to get out of debt quicker, just less financial stress. And it's like, man, like I said, here I am selling my soul monthly to this thing, constantly worried if we're going to have enough money to cover our bills. Why the hell am I so like into this car? Like, let's get rid of this thing, buy something that's paid for. And what an amazing difference it's made. And, and there's so many different areas that we can do that where we have control over some of those decisions that are going to make a tremendous impact. Are they a little painful? Yeah. But long-term wise, it's been so well worth it. Yeah, it can be a game changer. Yeah, I mean, a car payment can be a game changer for a lot of reasons yeah i like yeah. that and the thing is like nowadays like most of us need we, we have to have transportation you know whether it's maybe you're on the bus you know whatever uh maybe you got a beater uh, yeah 
I love old cars. Right. <laughs> I love them too. <laughs> you don't have to worry, worry about them. You don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Man, if somebody runs a shopping cart into my old car, like, okay, <laughs> right. whatever. Yeah. My daughter, she, she dumped a bottle of uh, a Gatorade on the back seat of my, of my Jeep. And, and I was just like, eh, it's okay. Like I was irritated for a second <laughs> exactly. and then I was just like, oh, well, <laughs> that's another thing. If you got kids, oh, young boy. kids, like, oh, they, they are just, they just, Garbage and junk everywhere. It's like, I'm not putting you in any sort of new car ever. <laughs> nope. Nope. Not till you're 18. And then you get my old beater right. and then that's your car and you can go wreck it up. Right. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, yeah. No, let's, let's hear it for all the old cars. I love them. Yeah. Bumper stickers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. So if you were to give um, like three tips to somebody who was looking to you know, pay down some debt. Yeah. Um, what would that be? Yeah. I say if, if you want to like get immediately started right now, I think the biggest thing I would do if you're listening to this right after you're done and you're someone who's like, yeah, I'm kind of feeling like Brad. I'm tired of living paycheck to paycheck, tired of being stressed. I'm just, I'm just worn out. I want to do some things differently. The first kind of just action item that you could take right away is go back and print out the last three to six months of your bank and your credit card statements. Go look at anywhere you're spending money, including like Venmo, PayPal, Cash App, Apple Pay, anything that you're spending money on. And if you want to be an overachiever, do 12 months, do a year. All right. And it's going to take some time. It's not something you do like right away, but you know, here up in Wisconsin, you know, it's, it's getting to late August. I mean, the, the fall months or the fall months are coming. It's going to start getting colder. Like you do this, like when you got nothing else to do. Right. Um, and go through and figure out where you've been spending your money. How much you've been spending on groceries? How much money you've been spending going out to eat? How much are you spending money on subscription services? How much money are you spending on your car insurance and medications? And, and literally go through and figure out where you're spending your money. Because most people over the years that I have found living paycheck to paycheck, including myself at one time, have no clue where their money is going. They aren't keeping track of it. They don't know what they're spending on what. So this gives you a really, this is a really good accountability tool because I can guarantee you, and there hasn't been one person that I've had to do this that's come back to me and said, Brad, there was no surprises at all. Like I, now I was like, nothing shocked me. I knew exactly everything that was there. It's absolutely the opposite every single time. They come back to me and they say, Brad, I am disgusted with what I found. Like, holy crap, we spent this much money on going out to eat or we spent this much money on cable over this past year or subscription services over this past year, or I can't believe what we spent on this. So, you know, it's, it's always just this light bulb moment for some people as they start to look at the reality of how much money they've made and how much money they've blown over the last year. Um, so that's the first thing is really getting and becoming aware of what are you currently doing? That's keeping you stuck. And a lot of that is for a lot of people, not everybody, but for a lot of us is our spending habits and where we're spending that money. So that's going to be the first thing I would recommend. Uh, number two is I can't say it enough. Budgeting is a lifesaver. And for a lot of people, budgeting is a swear word. The word budget has become because of marketing uh, has become a swear word for a lot of people. You know, it means you're cheap, means you're broke, means you're a penny pincher, uh, means you watch your money too closely. And, and that's just not the reality. A, a budget is really just uh, an, an, a tool just to help you track what your expenses are and what your income is and what financial goals you have. That's, that's it at the end of the day. And uh, no matter how much money you need, you, you should have some sort of a budget and plan for that money. And 
This is another area, you know, only about 33% of households, according to a Gallup poll over the last several years, uh, actually have a working household budget. That means that, you know, 66%, nearly seven out of 10 people don't have a, any sort of monthly plan for their money. But yet then we have about seven out of 10 people living paycheck to paycheck. And I think a budget is like a big part of that plan. And again, it's not easy. It's, it's, it's hard. It's difficult. Um, so but make that a part of your plan. And, and again, understand that budgeting is also a learned habit. It's not something that you just do and everything works out perfectly the first month. In fact, it takes a good six to 12 months to get pretty good at budgeting. Because again, you have to go through that year cycle of those irregular expenses that are going to be coming out. Like for instance, you know, my daughter's going back to school tomorrow. So, you know, school supplies, we just had to buy all of those, right? Holidays are coming up. You know, what are some of those irregular payments? that are? It takes you a while to kind of recognize a lot of those things. Uh, the third tip I would suggest is prioritize saving first instead of paying down your debt. So what do I mean? I mean, build yourself up a savings account that you can depend on when life goes wrong because it's going to, and you know, the reason why a lot of us use debt is because it's to save us, right? It's how many times have we heard, you know, the banks tell us, oh, your credit cards are for emergencies or your home equity line of credit is there just in case of an emergency, Right. The banks are really good at telling us that our debt products are out there in case you need money. Well, give yourself an insurance policy for yourself and and say, life is going to kick us down at times. There's going to be emergencies that are going to come up. The kids are going to have medical bills. The car is going to break down. We're going to miss work because we got sick. Like things are going to come up. So prioritize building yourself at least, you know, a small, some sort of cushion or emergency fund. You know, we recommend to our members, you know, $3,000, you know, get yourself a three grand savings account, prioritize that, make your minimum payments on everything else and just prioritize me until you get like around $3,000 in there. Once you have that, then you can start working on paying down debt. Because if you don't have that, what people do, like you said, Monica, when we kind of started this conversation is people will pay off their debt, but then they go right back into it. And that's because they don't create really any sort of cushion to prevent that from happening. So the habit never stops. Emergency comes up, oh, we're swiping the visa right? And then they get it paid down and then, oh, emergency comes up, we're swiping. the And it kind of seems like you're always on this hamster wheel of we're just never getting ourselves out of debt. Well, when you have yourself a cushion or emergency fund, you're no longer relying on debt. You're relying on that savings account that you built. So you use the emergency fund. It creates less stress. There's less anxiety. You pay cash, you rebuild up the emergency fund. You go right back to paying down your debt again. So it's kind of like the seesaw that you keep going back and forth with. You have to use the emergency when life kicks you down, use it and then build that back up, go right back to paying down debt. And those that we find that do it in this this order have tremendous success because, again, it breaks that mindset and that habit of constantly having to go rely on debt to rescue us. And once you start getting out of that mindset of like, I can save, I can put money away, and this money is here now to be that safety net for us, it's a whole different feeling when things go wrong. Instead of things feeling like crises, they become more just like little bumps in the road or little inconveniences, and we bounce back much quicker. Right. You're in crisis mode, then you panic and you're not planning. And if you are prepared, then you're in a different mindset. Absolutely. And there's, I mean, there's data and studies that they've done on people who are under financial stress on a regular basis. They have actually, um, I can't remember what episode we did this on, but they, they have actually studied this and, and shown and proven that people who are constantly living paycheck to paycheck under financial stress regularly make worse financial decisions that make their financial life worse over time. 
And a lot of that is, is because of this constant back and forth of going into debt, going into debt, paying it off, going into debt, because they're, they're just constantly under a lot of the stress. But once you relieve yourself from that, you begin to have the emotional energy to start making better choices. Um, and, uh, it, it's just, it just works. And we see this time and time again, these are just normal everyday people. And I mean, I just had, um, uh, Jenny Foster on our show. She's been in our roots program for 18 months. She, or almost two years, I should say. Uh, and her goal was to be debt-free by 60. This girl saved and paid off over $70,000 in that time period in less than two years. Wow. And she, you know, wow. and, and when amazing. I asked her, I was like, Jenny, did you ever think that you would be able to do something like that when you, she started? She's like, heck no, there's no way. In fact, when people hear it, they're like, there's no way I can do that. All of our members feel that way. I feel that way about where I'm at now. There's no way I thought I would ever be able to be here. But by practicing this, practicing this stuff, being consistent, being disciplined, being willing to do this stuff day in and day out, over time, huge results happen. You begin to start making better decisions for your finances. You begin to start looking at things differently and doing things differently, making different choices. And those things add up to huge results. And too, too many of us look at these types of results and look at these people who are normal and they're seeing these results and they look at them with their broken financial lenses. And there's like, well, there's no way I could ever do what Jenny did or what this person did because I see my situation. Well, you're also looking at it through broken lenses. You, in most cases, are the reason why you are broke and struggling the mo- with the reasons why you are. Yes, I get inflation and I get income and all that stuff plays a role, but we play the biggest role in our financial health. And, and a lot of us can make a heck of a lot better choices that would improve our finances dramatically. The problem is, is that your lenses are broken. We need to fix those. And then it's amazing how you start to look at things a lot differently over time as you start practicing a lot of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. Uh, really good advice. Um, so what are some popular methods of paying off debt out there and how how is that different than your yeah. approach? So I think um, one of the more common ones out there that's obviously very popular, it's been around for a long time, is you know debt consolidation. You know, uh, Moving credit card debt around to like 0% interest credit cards or taking out a consolidation loan. Um, you know, These can work in some situations, but they don't work for most people. And the reason why is because they don't focus on changing the behaviors that created the debt in the first place. So what happens is we give ourselves this false sense of progress that, hey, I'm moving this debt around and it feels like I'm making progress because I have a lower payment, lower interest rate. It freed up cash flow. It's eased up some stress. So it makes you feel like you've done something. But in the reality, yeah, you've done a little bit by saving a little bit on interest possibly. But the reality is all you've done is just given your debt a new home or a new name. The debt is still there. But a lot of the advertising on these debt consolidation loans will show you and, and say, I became debt-free with this debt consolidation loan. Well, no, you haven't. All you've done is, or I've paid off all my credit cards with this debt consolidation loan. No, you really haven't. You've just taken the credit card debt and gave it a new name. The debt's still there. But so there's a lot of this mixed messaging out there that gives people this false false sense of progress that they're actually doing something. Uh, Debt consolidation and moving credit card debt around, I think, you know, saving money and interest, I think are all good ideas, but you've got to have a good financial plan to back that up. And a lot of people just lack that part. They'll do this but then they don't really have a plan to actually pay down that debt that they just consolidated. What I see a lot of people doing, and I've done this, is you consolidate, you free up some credit card debt, but then you don't ever close those credit cards, and guess what we end up doing? We end up swiping those cards again, all while we still have this other debt consolidation loan, right? And we start adding on even more debt because we don't ever change those true habits. So I look at some of these products like debt consolidation, even bankruptcy to some extent, as kind of like Band-Aids for people. And it doesn't really fix... The, the true problem, which is the mindset, the financial habits, the choices, and the behaviors 
that are really creating a lot of the the issues and the challenges for us. Um, so I would say uh, debt consolidation, even going to the extent of bankruptcy, I think bankruptcy makes some some sense in in some s- situations. But we also have to understand that bankruptcy is a product for a lot of is, you know it's a product. People make money off of selling you bankruptcy, and and it's not to say that. There aren't situations, especially when we look at where we are in the United States when it comes to medical debt. You know, it doesn't take much to rack up thousands upon thousands of dollars worth of medical debt. Um, so, in some situations, it can it can make sense. You know, if you're looking at those things, not everyone goes into financial hardships on purpose or because of stupid decisions. Sometimes life happens, and that's what puts them there. So, bankruptcy can sometimes make sense when it comes to those things. But if you're looking at using bankruptcy as a way to get out of like credit cards and you know, things like that, but you don't ever truly change the habits, guess what? You're going to wind yourself right back up into debt. And I have members that join us that have already done that. They've claimed bankruptcy once and now they're right back into debt because they don't change the habits to actually get out of debt and stay out of debt. And now they're in our program. So I think that's the key to some of these products that are out there. And they don't really sell that part. They just sell the product, but they don't sell the back end of it. Okay. But now you have to do these things in order to make sure you stay away from this so your situation doesn't get worse or you have a repeat of what you just did. Um, as far as methods that are out there that are more popular as far as debt elimination, uh, you have the avalanche method, which is obviously focusing more on the interest rates. So, you know, you, you list your debts, interest rate, highest interest rate first down to the lowest interest rate and pay them off in that order. Um, and then we have the debt snowball method, which is the method that we prefer, which is the method of, you know, just paying down your debts, uh, smallest balance to highest balance. So you're focusing on the smallest debts first. And uh, some people may often ask the question of, well, why, would, why wouldn't I want to focus on highest interest rates because I'm going to save more money in, in the long run? And the reality is, yes, mathematically speaking, it looks like it's the better choice. But let's say you're living paycheck to paycheck and let's say you only have an extra $50 a month to throw on a debt, okay? And let's say when you do this avalanche method, your highest interest debt is a credit card that's four grand. Well, if you're putting $50 extra on this debt, that's $4,000 because it's a higher higher interest rate or the highest interest rate. Let me guess where your motivation level is going to be in a few months because you're not going to really be seeing that credit card go down, right? Because you're not putting enough on it. So in the avalanche method, a lot of people just end up losing steam and lose motivation because they're not actually seeing anything get checked off. They're not seeing progress like they want to see. Whereas the debt snowball, where you're focusing on the smallest debt first, let's say you only have an extra $50. Let's say your lowest debt is $150 credit card. Well, guess what? We can knock that off in maybe the next three or four months, maybe even sooner. If you start getting really serious about cutting expenses, maybe working some extra hours, doing some extra things to bring some income in, we can get that thing knocked off. Those check marks from a motivational level, those feel good because you're making progress. It's kind of like weight loss, right? If you go on a diet or you start eating healthy and you start getting on the scale, and all of a sudden, you know, you don't see those numbers go down. Guess what? Our motivation is just like, oh, here I am working and I'm not seeing those numbers go down. I'm not seeing those numbers go down. And guess what? We're just like, well, what the heck? Why is this even worth it? It's the same thing when I compare these two, the avalanche method versus the debt snowball method. And the debt snowball method, we want you to see those check marks. We want you to see that those things are going down. Um, and they've actually done studies on both of these methods. And uh, I think it's Harvard Business Review and uh, Kellogg Research. They both, uh, they both have reviewed these. And they both found that the debt snowball method is the best method to paying down debt because it focuses on the psychological wins. And it, it, is, it is the method that, people, that they have proven that people will be the most successful with in getting out of debt. Because again, it, it focuses on the wins. It focuses on progress and checking things off. And for us, that feels good. So for me, if that costs me a little bit of extra money and interest because I'm actually going to get out of debt, I'm going to pay it every day as opposed to 
with the avalanche method, right? Now, in some cases, and this gets a little bit on a deeper level, it, in some cases, it does make sense to focus on interest rates. You know, for instance, if you get a good tax return, you know, and let's say it's several thousands of dollars, or let's say you uh, received an inheritance, maybe you had a family member pass away. Let's let's say you get a windfall of cash and you've got this lump sum of money. And that in that case, it can really make sense to look at your interest rates and what you're paying. And it might make sense to focus on a higher interest rate because you have this big lump sum of money and you can knock out one of these debts right away. But as far as from a little bit at a time, we have found that most people are most successful using the debt snowball method versus versus the avalanche method. Yeah, <clears throat> I love the snowball method. I that I'm currently using that right now. And in the past year, I've paid off two credit cards. Awesome. There you go. And yeah, I'm really excited. Um, and I've done it all on my own. Now I will say, you know, I've I've had to work more yeah. to bring in income. And I think do do some people not? I mean, everyone's situation is completely different. Obviously, um, some of us have passive income. Some of us have more exposure to things that other people don't how many people like pick up extra hours work a side gig or whatever re find another source of income to speed up their process you see that a lot I see that a lot yeah and the way we look at it and the way we like to describe it is just temporary sacrifices what can you sacrifice temporarily in your life to get you that much further ahead and again it's temporary pain and uh, so obviously what we what we teach our members is, look, you want to look at your budget, go back through those last 12 months of expenses and cut out everything that is not a need or I'm sorry, that everything is that that you don't need or want. Right. Cut it out if you don't need or want it. Now, if you love it and you want to keep it, let's keep it. All right. We're not about getting down to the point where you're not enjoying your life. We don't like that. So uh, I know that there are some other financial, especially some bigger ones out there that are all about, you know, just bare bones. Right. I find that type of extreme lifestyle cut is self-sabotaging for a lot of people. Like they can do it for a little while. They just can't sustain it. And neither could I. Right. It's, it's very hard. hard. <laughs> I I went all winter. Like I would, I limited myself to only eating out once a month, <clears throat> cooking all of my meals and I was able to like pay off that second credit card, but it was hard yeah. because, you know, every once in a while, it's like, oh, I just want to go out for yeah. taco night. <laughs> right, <know>? right. <laughs> and like, I'm really kind of sick of making my own food, even though I'm yeah. a chef, like, I just don't want to do it. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's funny that you brought up tacos. So yeah. it's funny yeah, you bring that up. You know, yeah. it's, um, I mean, we, you got to find some joy in life. And I think if you are, you're, you're on this goal of like getting this debt down and like whatever your, whatever your path is, you also have to be patient with yourself and not put yourself into that, that, uh, that space of lack and misery yeah. because you're going to be like, screw yep. this, this sucks. I'm bailing. And that's not yeah. the point. It's got, you got to find something that's sustainable. And it's the same thing when it comes to working extra hours and stuff too. You know, like for instance, I have kids and, um, you know, so you, 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 you want to balance that. And by no means are we telling people to go out work 80 hours a week while you got kids at home and stuff, but do what you can do what you can. And like you said, we all, we all have our own different mountains to climb. We all have our own resources to climb that mountain. Right. And it's, and it's all about finding what, what's going to work for you. And what are you willing to sacrifice? What can you sacrifice in your own life based on your certain situation? And uh, focus on that. And um, that's what we really encourage our members to do.
And uh, one of the other things too is is getting yourself around other people that are also working on this stuff because they can give you some great ideas. I think that's the greatest thing about our community here that we built out here at Defree Dad is just, you know, we're all a bunch of normal people just sharing ideas about, hey, this worked for me, this worked for me, this didn't work. And we're all sharing these ideas on a regular basis. And we're all able to start picking some of these things up because these people have common goals to get out of debt too. This is working for them. And now I can start doing this stuff too. You know, so so it's not always just working more. Um, it, it's a combination of things, you know, of, of cutting expenses, uh, reducing your lifestyle, uh, focusing on the things that are important to you, keep the things that you love. And if you're able to to do some income producing activities, and I think this day and age, Monica, especially because we have cell phones now and these things are like computers in themselves and the money that you can make just on your cell phone, it, it's creativity that's that's lacking really. You can be so creative. I've, I've, I've met so many people making money doing just the weirdest things using just their cell phone or their computer, you know, and it is so it cool. Is. You can set up an Etsy, an Etsy yep. shop and sell digital downloads that you create in Canva, like journal planners or yep. whatever. I, there's a, uh, there's someone I follow and I've learned so much just by listening to her little 20 minute YouTube thing every week. And I got myself a Canva account. It's just such yeah. a cool thing. And, and the cool thing is it's like, it's fun. You're, you're, you're using your, your creativity to make something and then you're just offering it for like $4 or whatever to anyone as a digital download and you're helping yep. someone the, the reciprocity of it, like it helps you, you're helping them because you believe in it. It's, it's good energy flow. Um, and it's a good way to like make a little bit of extra yep. money, you know, and it's not anything crazy, but anyone can right. do this. There are so many resources out there. So many. So, so many. Yeah. So you work with uh you work with men and women. When I first uh heard about you, I thought, "Oh, does he work just with dads?" And I think that's just more about your story. <laughs> no, that's just about our story. Yeah, that's about our story. Yeah, we Yeah. We work with both. Um I will say primarily primarily uh we work with a lot more women and I think there's uh, probably something in the male side of us where we're afraid to ask for help. And, and, a, and a lot of our members, oh, you know, okay. and, 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 and it is, especially <laughs> when it comes to money, you know, for, from a, you know, and again, that's this whole things over the generations of, you know, men and money. And I think we're still, we're still dealing with a lot of that. Right. And there's a lot of shame associated to personal finance, uh, whether you call them failures or just challenges, we, we don't want to talk about it because it's embarrassing. I was embarrassed. I was super embarrassed. It took a lot of energy and effort to like finally just accept that I needed to get help and I, I needed to learn how to do this stuff different. And so I think what's interesting though, and what, what so, and we just had someone celebrate this in our program here just last a uh, couple of days ago, actually two of them did. And so we had a husband, two husband and wives joined recently and the, the, the wives are like really into it. They're getting into it. They're actually making progress. And these were two individuals and two couples that kept their finances separate. So they're married, but keep finances separate, which is totally fine. Well, the husbands were not on board. They're like, we don't want to do that. So they're only like three or four weeks in now and they're making some amazing progress. So this past week, amazingly, both of these husbands came to their wives and gave them their list of bills and said, I want to start working on this too. <laughs> Because, wow. because they're starting yeah, to see that progress, know. right? They're starting to see it. So <laughs> we as men, a lot of us out there, we know we need help. We know we probably should do some of this stuff different. Number one, we don't want to uh, because it sucks. Nobody wants to face their financial challenges, all of us included, all people, right? It's hard. 
but number two, there's that pride issue there. And so I think that's why, you know, they're just, they're just less likely to be wanting and accepting the help. And, uh, it takes time, takes time to break down those barriers, but, uh, but yeah, we definitely have success with, um, with, with both male and female in our, in our business for sure. The guys just have to take a little bit more time to get yeah, there. Yeah, yeah we do. <laughs> that's, okay. that's okay. We do. We don't like to read oh. those directions. Yeah, we don't need no help. We'll figure it I out, know. right? <laughs> you're you're lost <sighs> on a road out in the middle right. of nowhere. Right. Oh, can we just ask this this uh this guy over here for directions? Yep. Nope. Nope. I'm gonna figure it out. You uh, yep. I love guys, but I mean, sometimes you guys will just drive all over the map <laughs> looking for the exit and 30 minutes later, you're down to an eighth of a tank of gas. And then you're like, okay, maybe, maybe I do need some yeah, help. So true. It's uh, patience on both genders. Yes. Yes. <laughs> That's okay. It's all good. We all get there. We all get there, but we, you know, we go, go our, our own, own ways. path. And right. so that's what. That's What's okay. Interesting. That's that's part of the you know experience. there's there's this idea though you know I think for for both you know men and women of you know hiring someone like me who's a financial coach and behavior coach is like I don't need someone telling me how to handle my money and when it comes to a couple like that that's not what I'm doing I'm not telling you how I'm showing you how we've won and how we've helped so many other people win and I think in a relationship what that does is bringing a third party into that relationship it opens up the conversation. A different way because in most relationships, money and personal finance fights are one of the number one causes of divorce in the United States. And I think when you bring in a third party like me, who's going to teach you what we've done, it opens up the communication between those two people based on what, what Brad said. Well, I agree with what Brad said there, or I don't agree with what Brad said there. And now the two of them can communicate. Whereas in most relationship dynamics, the money conversation usually goes like, you didn't tell me you spent that money. Why did you buy this? We can't afford that. And those are much more accusational statements, right? They're finger pointing, blaming, right? And now we're having all these fights and arguments. But when you bring in somebody like me listening to our podcast or even listen to this podcast episode and, and hearing this and letting the two of you listen together, it opens up the conversation just a different way. And it allows individuals and partners to have a lot more of a proactive conversation about their money challenges as opposed to reactive based on a certain situation that's happening in that moment that usually probably has a lot of emotion tied to it. So I think when we have couples come in, it takes them a little while and some patience to see that, but the ones that are willing to kind of look at that and use it as a tool of, Hey, we're able to now sit down and have more proactive conversations because of what Brad's saying, as opposed to finger pointing at each other, uh, the relationship just grows leaps and bounds. It really, really does. And that's how we start to get people more on the same page because of, uh, having this third party person out there. And it doesn't have to be me read a book listen to other podcasts, like find other resources out there that are talking about this subject that are helping people get out of debt. And, and you'll be amazed at what that does to your communication level too. I think that's really a key point of all of this because what you're doing is creating a very approachable and safe space for a very hot, potentially the situation around money and couples, you know, regardless of what your couple looks like, it's, it's going to be a point of contention. And like you said, like that, it's like one of the main reasons why people split up is differences because you might come into a relationship and everyone has a different story and a background and, and how you were raised, like your values and how your parents, uh, taught you to believe and things that they taught you to believe about money. 
and finances and how to manage yourself and things that you can do. And, you know, and it's, it's hard to find a happy middle space right? and everyone's different. And so, and you, you think everything's going to be okay. And then a couple years down the road, and then now you're starting to have a conflict or difference of opinion or um, how you, it's kind of like parenting, you know, you're going to, it's really hard. You have to find that middle space that's safe that you both feel like you're getting and giving. And so having someone like you, you know, that's a, that's a really great tool to bring into that, uh, that situation, I think. So I think that's really good that you're, you're able to provide that service. So kind of an extra benefit. I think I like that. Yeah. But, but admittedly the hardest thing, the hardest thing, it takes so much patience and sometimes, you know, that other spouse that's not willing to want to show up, it, it, you know, it's a lot of dragging their feet, but we see so many people with time and patience, uh, really, really improving this. So it's, it's really good. That's awesome. Yeah. So you, uh, I was just going to have you tell us a little bit about your website, um, how people can get in touch with you. He, um, Brad's got some great tools on his website. Um, he's got a membership program, a free planner. Um, so tell us a little yeah, bit about absolutely. that. So you can go to our website, uh, depending on when this airs, well, I'll give you two websites. We, uh, we just secured finally the domain for defreedad.com. So that should be going active here, uh, coming up within the next few weeks or so. Otherwise you can go to, uh, the real debtfreedad.com as well. And on there, you can find uh, a lot of resources. Number one, uh, we have a podcast there, Debt Free Dad podcast with over 180 episodes now. We've been going on, or this is our fourth year we're going on. Uh, and what I love about our podcast is that, like, you know, what, well, really what our whole company is all about is we're just a bunch of normal people. And uh, we've got five people on our podcast. Uh, we've got Chris, who's in his uh, later years, just opened up an ice cream shop and retired as a teacher who actually taught um, personal finance education to teenagers for 13 years and uh, has become very successful with a lot of the principles and things that we teach on our show. And so he's got a great perspective because he's, you know, older in his life and and can definitely share, you know, how making choices younger makes a dramatic effect on where he is today. Uh, we've got Katie who's single. Uh, she's been doing this now. She's been on this journey now for the last five years uh, as a single person on a single income has paid off over $120,000 in debt. Uh, and check this out, Monica. She started out five years ago making 13 bucks an hour. And she's now, again, with promotions, getting different jobs, and it all goes back to that ripple effect of your life and, and helping her improve her career uh, over 120 grand. So she's there to talk about all of this stuff from a single perspective. Uh, we've got Amber, who is my other team member. She's up in Canada to talk about from the Canadian perspective. It's not just a US-based, right? This is It's not a currency thing. This is like a, a life thing, right? So she talks about it from their perspective. And I got my brother, who was the doubter. Um, when I went on this journey many, many years ago, I said I was crazy. Getting out of debt is stupid. Nobody does that. Everyone's always going to have car payments and credit card debt. Well, he eventually got on board too, and him and his wife are now completely debt-free. Uh, they're sending their kids through college right now completely debt-free. They're doing it on their own. The kids are paying for it on their own, uh, and they're they're talking about it from their family's perspective. So we, we've got all of these people here that are just normal, everyday people, and we're talking about these money topics and, and showing people, like, if you're willing to do some things differently, you don't have to deal with all this junk that's out there right now. You you can have success. You can have money in the bank. Uh, you can pay down your debt. You can still live the life that you want. Uh, you just got to go about it in a little bit of a different way. Um, so I would start there. Uh, we have a free workshop called Life Without Payments on our, on our website too. Uh, if you're looking for kind of just some quick getting started tips on how you can get started with a lot of things that we're talking about, the, res, uh, the results that a lot of our people have gotten, 
Uh, this is a great workshop. We give you a lot of free stuff, free worksheets on how to get it all organized and get ready. Uh, and then we have the next level up, which is our Roots membership. That's our paid membership. We're actually uh, work with our members more in a group format, more intimate setting. Uh, they get help from me directly. Uh, we have live meetups, group coaching calls every single week. And we've got uh, about 425 members now in that program. And uh, it's such a great community of people because uh, we're all working on the same common goal. And a lot of us have made a lot of the same types of money mistakes and money problems or have the same types of money problems. So getting yourself around a, a really good tight knit community and getting that support and accountability uh, is huge. And uh, Monica, I will add just at the end, that's what most people are missing when it comes to their debt free or get out of debt journey is support and accountability because we are terrible accountability partners to ourselves. And so, you know, joining a group of people, it's been proven by studies and um, training programs that having support and accountability will help you reach a lot more of your goals because it's going to hold you accountable to them. You know, if you're accountable to somebody or a meeting or something or a coach, they're going to be more likely to keep your feet to the fire as opposed to if you're just doing it on your own, it's easy just to kind of give up and have a lot of loose rules around what you're doing. Right. And then we wonder why we don't ever get the results. So uh, it makes a huge difference. So. Yeah, that's, um, that's one of the biggest things that people can get out of coaching, regardless of what kind Um, it's scaling, finding out where you are today, where you want to be and, and the, difference between those two spaces and then also finding a community talking with someone uh finding support but and and also using your voice and using your voice is one of the most powerful things because you put action you put energy into your thoughts if it's just spinning around in your head you're not getting anywhere so that's the cool thing about like these communities uh for yeah, it, it seems like that'd be such a great uh, asset. Yeah. yeah, I would I would yeah. like to say it's me, but that's what our numbers say. The number one thing that, that has helped them the most is getting getting in the community that we have. That has been the thing that's helped them stay focused the most is is having that group and that group support and being able to celebrate your wins, being able to celebrate your losses and even look at your losses and failures and being able to get that encouragement to keep going. Um, it's They say it's been the number one difference maker for most of them. Wow, this is awesome. Well, this has been such a great conversation. Um, I'm really really glad that you could come on and and share this with us. It seems like you're doing some really good work for this. And um, hopefully we can get this information out to more people. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Monica. I appreciate you. Yeah, I want to. Yeah, thank you, Brad. And uh, thanks for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks for joining me today and listening to another amazing story. So I've got a pretty big announcement. I have an online program coming up. It's self-paced, so you can fit it into your own schedule. We're going to explore the three layers of healthy boundaries, tapping into intuition, and dive into making habits that stick. It's called Bold Bold Boundaries, and I want you to jump on over to my website and get on the wait list if you're wondering what it's all about. It's an online printable workshop, super affordable and self-paced. So the way to find it is to head on over to my website at www.mountainenergywellnesscoaching.com and search for the Bold Boundaries tab. And right there, you can get your email and name on the contact form. And uh, I'll be uploading a separate short little introduction on this podcast, going into more details of the program in a few weeks. Be sure and hit that subscribe or follow button. 
wherever you listen to great pod content. It sure helps my efforts to grow and get these stories out there. I'd love it if you could tell a friend about this show and share it with anyone who might be interested. And you can find any links mentioned in the show notes below. We have some great guests coming up in the next few weeks to finish up season one, which will be winding down in in October. Uh, but season two is going to be super fun. We're going to start diving into the unusual and strange. We're looking for strange encounter stories, experiencers, and all things odd. So if you'd like to be on the show and have a story you'd like to share, reach out to me by sending an email to verbalecho at gmail.com. Our music is Funk Beats by Ecolix, and you can find them on Audio Jungle. I'll catch you next time around. See you soon.